We are now into the month of August and the new animal for August is dolphin spirit. Now I really love the energy of dolphin and this particular animal spirit is really here to remind us that life is made up of duality. So the dolphin is both mammal and sea creature and so too the dolphin spirit is both this and that. And it's here to remind us this month that two truths can coexist together. The story you tell and another as well. The duality of life is present when we are suffering for there is a blessing too in the helpers that appear and the lessons that we learn from that suffering. So I guess with all clouds come silver linings. Another reminder from Dolphin Spirit this month, I think, is that when we won't see things or to be acknowledged as right and see other ways as wrong, Dolphin Spirit reminds us that that is a, um, a story that we create and splits us into separateness. Whereas really what Dolphin Spirit is encouraging us to do is to understand that we can experience something and somebody else can experience something and we can, they can be very different but they're, we're both right there doesn't need to be a right or wrong way in this life the same as there doesn't need to be a right or wrong way with the, with the spiritual work that we do as long as we work within the guiding principles of safe practice and ethics then we can weave whatever works for us so what, there's an invitation to release rigidity and embrace the fluidity of life as we really recognise the greys that remind us that there are two sides to every story, there's an upside to a downside and there's a blessing in every challenge. So let's say thank you to Dolphin Spirit and embrace the notion this month that both this and that are true. Enjoy this week's podcast. Hi and welcome to episode 48 of Shaman Talk. My name's Rhonda and I'm your host. This week I'm really delighted to have my husband Scott McCrimmon join us for a conversation all about that really funny story I tell sometimes about when I first started my shamanic training and my whole family thought I was crazy and then over time that changed. So we're going to talk about that today. And one of the reasons that I thought that that would be a nice conversation for us to share with you guys is that I do get a lot of questions about how do I um, help my family to understand what I'm doing with shamanism or with spirituality or they're just not interested and it makes me feel really isolated or, you know, I, I do I get a lot of questions about that. So I thought that Scott and I having a conversation about our experience might be helpful and also it's nice to... It's nice for me to share um, a bit more about my life and, you know, I'm really all about that. So, hi, honey. Hi. Welcome. Thanks. To Shaman Talk. Yeah. Nice to to be here. We've got you on, finally. Yeah. (laughs) Under the blanket. Under the blanket. Having a nice wee chat. Okay. So, we're going to, let's start by going back in time to that awful point when my dad died. And I tell this story a lot as well. So dad died, I'm in a deep place of grief and just desperate for help, really. I didn't know where to find it. We don't really talk about death in this culture or 
grief and I just I was really lost wasn't I yeah yeah and then I found a shamanic training through Carol Day at the Centre for Creative Vision and started to go along to these classes what do you remember about that time what do you remember about me starting so um <laughs> in your introduction there I was I was laughing a wee bit when you said how do I help my family to understand this kind of thing <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that makes it sound like like quite a considered, gentle process, doesn't it? Yeah. Like how do I help them to understand when, yeah. um, whether we wanted the help or not? You were getting it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Um, it was more like you would come home with the the rantings and raving of a madman. <laughs> <laughs> So true, it's yeah, so true. Certainly very enthusiastic. <laughs> which which is lovely. Um and although it it was it had plenty of challenges, it was it was really nice to see that that enthusiasm. That was mm. fundamentally that was that was a, a lovely thing. Yeah, so I remember the first thing that you went to was like a weekend course. I think I started the storytelling course yeah. first. Yeah. yeah, 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 which, yeah, was exploring um, the kind of shamanic significance of some some ancient myths. And you were telling me about, like, all this new stuff, like, kind of visionary journeys that you would do with the teacher or with other um, attendees. And it sounded really full-on, sounded like there was lots of lots of kind of tears and upheaval and um, you were coming back with, with stories of saying power animals and, <laughs> and omens and stuff and you were talking about these animals as if they were like people you knew like, telling me that you'd had this experience with owl just 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 owl <laughs> like that one um, yeah so I, I, I found myself feeling a little bit like kind of grumpily irritable about about that kind of language mm, yeah a lot but, of the language I used was uncomfortable for you wasn't it yeah for sure yeah yeah it can de- like from the from the perspective of of the family um, it can be quite shocking I think because mm-hmm. yeah it was all all new stuff that seemed like to be really significant for you and when a member of your family comes back and seems to be on a different path or on a different page than they were before especially if if there's some kind of sense of security in us all being on the same page mm. that can be quite rattling mm. so do you think that it um, is that how you would describe that for you a, a bit um, insecure yeah for sure yeah 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 if I was to really think back, I think me seeing a change for you made me think, oh, things have now changed or things are going to change. Mm. And that, that, I think I felt quite insecure about that. Mm. So that must have been quite difficult. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think you managed to... Because um, that was a struggle, I think, now that I remember looking yeah. back, that kind of like... And I, I was so in it and so excited about it, I don't think I was mindful of that at all. Hmm. 
actually. Yeah. Like, I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Do all this, all this stuff. That... And I just really wasn't mindful of like bringing in any kind of like, I wasn't mindful of you or your needs at all. Mm. I was just so excited to find something that I really loved that I didn't pay any heed to that. Sure. Sure. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily fair in hindsight to expect you to have consideration for all of those kind of things because these, these are attitudes that we've since discovered mm. on, on the path of like personal mm. development and spirituality and stuff. Yeah. So I guess if we were um, talking to ourselves in the past, yeah. I would say to myself, I would say be a little bit more mindful of how you're putting this across and uh-huh. be mindful of the 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 difficult the difficulty that other people will have understanding your experience because it's so far from what they're used to experiencing and I guess you would say to yourself this is all fine don't be too yeah. you know I don't need to be yeah. insecure about it I guess yeah so for me looking back I would say that that's definitely something that I would do differently is be way more gentle with not with my explanations of what I experienced because I, I I feel like you quite enjoyed listening to those. But maybe with the rest of it, like the you shoulds and trying to drag you into my experience, I feel like I did that a lot in the beginning, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. What I remember is we could be talking about anything, <laughs> um, and, and then you would be like, "Oh, you know, that's like really shamanic," and I'd be like, oh, "I mean, it doesn't really have to be." <laughs> like, just kind of talking about this conversation I had today. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's coming on a little bit strong. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. And and at the time you were doing, you I think I started my shamanic practitioner training at the same time as you started your PhD, roughly. That's right. Um, and your PhD was in plant science. Plant science. Yeah. yeah. Um, molecular biology. I always say genetic biology. Uh-huh. Sorry, everybody who thinks that my husband was doing a PhD in genetic biology. Apparently yeah. it's molecular biology, but yeah. that shows you how much I know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's all, it's all the same thing at the end of the day. Yeah. We so could probably you... just like finish the podcast there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so it's, it's all the same, same thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. But let's not finish the podcast yeah. there. So what did, what do you think was um, our biggest struggle communication for sure okay. was the biggest struggle yeah I agree yeah so you'd be telling me about all this new stuff which is like super meaningful to you and um, here I'll pat myself on the back here a wee bit at least I was trying to integrate it rather than saying that's nonsense but I, I was having to like you did sometimes say that I mean, I can unpat myself on the back. You can definitely case. pat yourself on the back. You were extremely supportive, considering yeah. your actual opinion, which was that most of it was a lot of rubbish. Sure, sure. So I was like firmly in kind of scientific materialism yeah. um, and rationality. And so everything that you said, I would try and, in my mind, like cut up and put into a wee box so I could fit it into to my my worldview. And mm. then I would maybe I would feed that back to you in terms of being... Like, sure, it could be like an angel or that owl could have given you this message, but don't you think that's just perhaps your own, like, mind? Like, maybe 
you already know that or something mm, these these yeah, kind of like yeah. which the i'm sure that... felt like me completely like yeah. squashing the magic and yeah, the, was, yeah. the meaning of what you were telling yeah, me yeah. in hindsight the funniest conversation i remember having was about crystals though uh-huh. that's that was really funny i've never <clears throat> been into crystals i don't work with crystals myself but i know somebody on my training who does um, and I was explaining something about crystals and she uses this crystal for that and this crystal for that and you just lost that. Like, right. it's the only time, <laughs> I think, that you just lost your temper and you were just shouting about <laughs> how much bollocks it was and why do that's just a piece of rock and like, oh my God, you were so angry about it. It was so funny. Do you remember that? I do, yeah, yeah. And we we repeatedly had this conversation about crystals and other things over um, a, a, a number of weeks. And then there was one point when I said to you, um, why do you care? Do you remember that? I don't know if you do remember no, it, but I, don't I remember I don't remember it. the exact moment. No. Yeah, I remember it really well. I was like, why do you care? If it works for this lady, she works with crystals and it actually helps her mental health. Yeah. And it makes her feel better and it puts her into a better place. Why do you care? And something in that conversation that we had that day did work and yeah. that shifted yeah, something. Yeah, I, I, I certainly remember integrating that perspective. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And I think that I found it easy to kind of link where I was in my mind at the time. I found it easy to link that um, if it works for somebody, it works. It doesn't really matter about the mechanism. I found it easy to link that into the whole placebo concept, which obviously exists within the kind of scientific structures that I was mm-hmm. really involved in at the time. And that kind of got me thinking about where. These boxes that I'm talking about, about putting everything in to make sense of everything, to like unify uh, phenomena um, when it comes down to things like belief and placebo, you can't really draw lines between things that make perfect sense and have mm. like mechanistic explanations. So that kind of like planted the seed of the importance of uh, personal belief, ultimately faith. Mm. Stuff like that. Yeah. Which allows, when I started to think about that, it allowed me to kind of just like step back from from your process mm-hmm. um, and accept that what was what was real and important for you was really important for you and didn't really have anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't have to like take it on and accept that as my as your, my truth. Your truth. Yeah. So that brings us to a really important point for both of us. I think back then was that I was trying to shoehorn you into my worldview. I'm like, yeah. here is the way that things are. Like, why are you not joining me in this worldview? And meanwhile, you're like, why are you not joining me in my worldview? Mm-hmm. And we're both so busy trying to... And I think that's where the conflict came, was that we were just so... De- and it was a desperation, I think. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. I was desperate to know that you understood and could experience what I was experience, experiencing. And ultimately what that did, and I can only speak for myself, but I think ultimately what that did was it took away a lot of the focus that I should have been putting on my own work. Yeah. I was projecting a lot of that onto you, so which was making me avoid my own work. So I thought I was doing a really good thing by trying to get you involved and get you doing things because you were having your own issues at the time, weren't yeah. you? But actually all that was doing was disempowering you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a really nice way for me to avoid looking at my own stuff. Yeah, yes, yeah, e- ego structures. Yeah. We both had these mad ego structures running about mm. like, no, this is this is right, mm-hmm. and 
you have to see it the way I see it yeah. because it's correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's no right or wrong way to to experience this life. And I think that's one of the things that we've learned, isn't it? That's how we managed to reconcile a lot of our differences. Mm. Was to say, okay, well, I'm here experiencing life this way. Yep. And you're over there experiencing life that way. And we converse and we chat and we respect each other's ways of experiencing life. And we walk hand in hand together now, rather than me jumping in and out of your circle and you jumping in and out of mine. And I guess another way to describe it would be unhealthy codependency. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Like thinking that we have to be in perfect agreement about everything all the time even our kind of like internal model of reality Mm. Um, and if we weren't then that was like a kind of threat to the the status of our relationship or the security of our relationship or something yeah which wasn't it's not good not good Uh, like over time as um, as I learned to hear your stories of the things that were going on on your course um, without feeling like I needed to accept that as as reality for me mm-hmm. um, then yeah the more the more I think we learned to be well what we've been talking about recently is being separate people together mm-hmm. isn't it mm-hmm. the more we learned to do that and it's been like an ongoing process of like every time that we would have a conversation like that, either of us would get slightly better at communicating mm. and not taking things personally when we hear them, mm. talking about things from a point of like interest rather than challenge. Yeah. I think. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, baby steps, like this is, we're talking like six, seven years mm. now of, of doing things that way. Mm. Um, so if you think about it, it's half again. We've been together 13 yeah. years now, so yeah. half of, like, really, if I can use the word gross, codependency. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> I mean, it is pretty gross. Um, gross codependency on both sides, and then moving into this new way of um, of being, and it's almost like, almost a seven-year cycle, isn't it? It was sure. almost yeah, yeah. that kind of, like, yeah. sacred number of seven, but... Um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've lost my train of thought, but yeah. Uh, that's because you were making everything shamanic again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do do that, yeah. sorry. No, it's great. It's, it's been a really, um, a really beautiful, nourishing process, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, a relationship, I think, is, is fantastic yeah. at the moment. And it's because of that. It's because we can, we can let each other get on with whatever it is that we need to get on with yeah. and it doesn't we just don't need to be involved in each other's process other than when we want to share ideas or discuss it yeah I think and I think one of the other things that we've worked really hard on in this last year certainly is blame as well like we don't we used to whenever we would have these conversations we used to move into a place of blame mm. I blame you for not listening to you, to me you, or you blame me for not understanding your point of view or there was a lot of blame it was always like you need to do this otherwise mm-hmm. I'm going to feel bad which yeah. is blame Yeah. so there was a lot of like expectation of the other making making the, like you need to do this in order for me to be happy there's a lot of that going on Yeah. just in general in a relationship for sure but talking about 
me being on a spiritual path and you being on a or a non-spiritual path let's call it because mm-hmm. not, not everybody's partners will be on a scientific path they'll be on a non-spiritual path at the moment which is absolutely fine but what I found often was that there was a lot of blame involved mm-hmm. would you say that? yeah yeah so when we re- when we noticed that that was a big shift and that's been relatively recent actually mm-hmm. And then we got into a much deeper place with it over... Well, I got into a much deeper place with blame over lockdown. Um, and understanding how... So I've done podcasts on this, guys, so I'll put the ex, these podcasts in the show notes so that you can refer back to them. But that kind of toxic blame culture that we have when we're like, you you don't understand what my process is. You don't understand my spirituality. You, that makes me feel bad. That makes me feel invalid. That makes me feel not good enough. So that's blame but also self-worth as well. It's all tangled up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at, at the start of a of a spiritual journey and path, the kind of enthusiasm that one might bring home from a workshop to their family, and if that's received in a kind of um, less than enthusiastic way, it's quite easy for that initial feeling of like maybe rejection to turn into... Like a feeling of blame, mm. which doesn't really set the relationship up for success. Mm. So I guess it's about having non-attachment to the reaction that you're going to get from the people in your life. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So over time, I feel like I got there. Yeah. I feel like after maybe the first year or so of kind of deep... Um, if anybody hears any strange noises in the background of this podcast, it's my dog. Floyd, who many of you will know, is usually really good, but occasionally can be a pest. So sorry if you can hear him wondering in the background. But yeah, the uh, what was I saying? Could you remind me? I forgot. You were talking about how you got there with your expectations of how... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was able to... As soon as I was able to stop placing expectation on you and how I expected you to react to what I was doing and how I expected... Um, you to get involved in what I was doing and be part of what I was doing. A gateway opened, a door reopened somehow, didn't it? Something changed. Yeah, so I remember being being uh, in the lab uh, working and so you'd obviously told me a lot about the kind of material that you were you were reading, mm. um, which was a lot of Sandra Ingerman at the time, like mm. within the, in the first year of your, your training. Yep. And I guess around the time that we'd kind of chilled out in our communication styles about the whole thing and you perhaps weren't expecting me to to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> um, then suddenly the time that I would spend, the kind of like... So one of the things that I had to do in the PhD was a really repetitive uh, task of isolating embryos from barley seeds and that's like a whole day working in, in a fume hood under a microscope um, doing the same thing hundreds of times and so I would listen to podcasts during that time or or music but usually it was like I wanted some sort of brain food and suddenly I found myself looking just out of genuine interest for Sandra Angerman interviews and podcasts um, and then following on from that we would end up having conversations about about the ideas that were there and it was it was no longer you coming 
to me at and you. at me <laughs> and bringing up these concepts it was like we both had heard these concepts separately and we're now having a discussion about what they meant to us sort of individually mm. um i think that's when things started to get really interesting eh? yeah i would say i'd say and then there was the and then there was the change for you uh-huh. where you decided to leave your phd yeah you want to talk about that a little bit yeah sure um so it's yeah i'd become quite like so it was 2016 when i left that i'd, I'd started oh you were yeah. depressed yeah 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 it wasn't for you no it wasn't for me but i, w- I was quite identified I'd, I'd become quite tied up in the identity of 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 that path because mm-hmm. i'd i'd went to to university like you know as a a slightly mature student, I think I started when I was around 23 or something. Mm-hmm. I was seeking something, eh? seeking something something more. And then when I got into the the real nuts and bolts of it, I found that it wasn't really satisfying that. So as soon as I started the PhD, I just started like putting that drive or that interest elsewhere. I was sitting in my office looking up videos about how to carve spoons and make things out of wood. Um... Yeah, and it was you know that caused a bit of internal conflict, so I fell into like fairly fairly deep depression, um, and like maybe a few months into this, Rhonda and I were on holiday in in Sky, and Rhonda suggested that maybe I could try doing the course that she'd done, the shamanic practitioner course, and at that point I was like pretty pretty desperate for a change, so I was mm. like, fine, fine, I'll try it. So I got on the course and I did get I did get some things out of it. I was on it for about a year. But I think um fundamentally, because I hadn't chosen to do that myself for me, it was a suggestion suggestion from somebody else. I was from, from you, yeah, yeah. Um even though at that point we felt like we were in a better place with it because we could we could talk yeah. more freely and openly. But I was it was still it was still not like a an authentic thing really was it for, yeah. for me to do um, so I ended up leaving leaving the course um, yeah so that was like an interesting almost kind of like regression in that um, mm-hmm. in that progress we were making yeah and I guess from, from at that point from my perspective I was just watching you struggle yeah and you were you don't mind if I like no no you were so like you were so ill at that point that I was just desperate to help in yeah. some way so by I mean, you, you, it didn't take a massive amount of railroad in, but there was some railroad in to get you to join that course. Um, that's exactly what we're talking about. Like, that wasn't your choice. It was my choice for you. It's what I thought would be best for you. And ultimately, it didn't work because you didn't make that commitment yourself. Um, it's the dog coming up front of the couch. <laughs> oh, um, so because ultimately you didn't, you didn't make that choice in your own space for yourself it was it was just not right for you yeah and I, and that, again that's what I keep saying to people is like you think you know what's best for people but you don't for other people and you're so I was so sure that was right I was so sure that that would work for you mm-hmm. and understandably so because it had been massively transformational for you mm-hmm. like it completely it completely changed your life yeah completely changed my life but yeah. the point is that the point of this podcast I guess is to help um, share my experience of just that deep sense of knowing like you could have put a gun to my head 
and told me to tell the truth and I still would have said it was best for you. Mm. And it just wasn't. It was just my idea of what was best for you and that can be really powerful. One's idea of what's best for other people. So that's why it's a real, a, a really big part of any trainings that I do and especially the apprenticeship training. Um, there's quite a few quite firm boundaries in place there about helping other people or getting involved that's why in the group I don't allow people to give unsolicited advice you know where it's not about what you think is right for other people it's about what's right for you full stop just do your own work work on yourself that's it and be around and be supportive on other, for other people you can do that right for sure um... but it's almost like you need to take the pendulum swing of being completely separate so that you can then understand where where the middle ground lies so you can understand where it's safe to support other people and to have discussions and talk about things without the trickster energy coming in without the saviour archetype coming in without the whatever it is that drives that need to help others that needs to be completely shut down so that's what I had to do mm. I had to completely shut that down and actually I became quite um, emotionally isolated for a while I think because I had to go so far to close that need to help people down so that I could then be a, a functional practitioner and person in my own right as well as a wife and mother you know what do you think about that yeah for sure <clears throat> I'm not quite sure how how, uh, how to put this but um, so you doing that um, has set an example so that the other four adults living in this house now are all engaged in some kind of shamanic or spiritual um, work mm. off their own back. Mm. Because fundamentally we've seen how great that's been for Rhonda. Now I think it would be, one might find it quite easy to think that like, to backdoor that um, desire to help others into doing the, the work because you it's not as if you withdrew and started doing that in order to set that example. It's just that's no, what happened. That's what happened, yeah. It wasn't the goal. Um, yeah. So if your goal is to help others by doing what I'm talking about, it's not going to work. It needs to be a deep, a, like I just, right in your deep in your belly disconnection from the driving need to help other people. And that may seem really counter counterintuitive for a lot of my listeners who are either empaths, healers themselves, um, work really cl- want to work closely with people, like have a driving need to help other people and help the planet and help just heal. That's a driving need for a lot of my listeners. And I get that because I also have that. But in order for that to be channeled in a, um, a deeply healthy way, we need to, there's just a thing that needs to happen where it's shut down completely and we just concentrate wholly and exclusively on ourselves, on our own shadow, on our own blame work, on our own new story, on our, whatever it is that we need, whatever it is we're carrying, that needs to be dealt with. Because what I see time and time again is people who spend all of their life helping other people to the detriment of themselves. And that's where the problem lies in this. I believe that's where one of the biggest, a big problem in our culture lies, is this need for people, it's often women, but men do it as well, this need to help other people at the detriment and also helping other people stops you from knowing what your own work is. It's a really great way to distract yourself from working, doing your own shadow work, doing your own interpersonal work. 
And I used you for that a lot, I think. Mm. Yeah, I guess. In the early days. Yeah. Because yeah, I felt pretty sense. good that I was being your saviour and I was helping you with your depression and I was forcing you to do things you didn't want to do. That made me feel pretty good, actually. Yeah. And it stopped me from like having to go and look at my own shadow and my sure. own resistances and you know my own problems that I was having. So that must have been quite a lot for mm, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a, a, a good thing to bring up as well, is that on the, on the spiritual path, like once... When somebody's on that, all that stuff's gonna come up. Like just, just, just because you're on it doesn't mean that like everything's like totally fine and hunky dory. It's no. to be, it's to be expected that like all the really dark stuff that you might be noticing in other people is gonna be coming up in you, mm-hmm. and to be ready to to concentrate on that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's tough. Yeah, it's one of the toughest things we've ever done. I think. Yeah, for sure with each other yeah so yes. then over time we did that didn't we? we we managed to really just focus on our own stuff yeah and what happened for you in the last year or so couple of years what do you mean so we we are now i'd say that we're doing a pretty good job we've got a ways to go but a pretty good job of being separate people living choosing to live together yeah in a marriage which is going really well which is great and for me, what that's done is given me a sense of freedom and security mm. that I've never had before. Mm-hmm. And for you, what's it done for you? So now you're training and... Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm living my life for me, mm. fundamentally. Yeah. And I'm living my life for me. Yeah. And we're pretty happy. Yeah. And so over the last... Since I left the, the training... Um, the desire to, to like continue to grow and to understand the, the spiritual aspect of my life, that didn't that didn't go away. I just started to direct it based on my own interest. Um, and through that, I, I began to find things that were way more meaningful to me. It's the big the biggest the biggest thing. Um, that I came across for me personally was was Jordan Peterson's work on mythology and personal responsibility and the the kind of like um, the fundamental human stories, I think, mm. and and through that, <clears throat> through focusing on that, I was able to um, to start to understand myself so much better and kind of like look forward to having responsibility and doing a good job in my life and that was wonderful it helped me like break away from some really difficult like I had um I had some really deep addiction issues that that I've managed to to work through using um using that kind of system Mm. which wasn't available to me through the the ways that that you Rhonda would have been suggesting Mm -hmm. in the past so essentially, I found my own path, um, which has been great. And then I came to a point about a year ago where I was like, "Hmm, right, I'm kind of feel like I'm on a bit of a plateau here. Uh, there's perhaps not so much I can I can do for myself now." So I've I've rejoined that training, um, which has been great. 
because now the kind of stuff that would cause um, conflict for me the first time round and challenges to my um, the way things are for me, <clears throat> I can either like see that challenge for being a potential for growth, or I can see it, check in with myself and see and like know that well that's fine. Just that particular aspect doesn't necessarily work. Mm. for me and that's okay mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't need to take that on or take that personally or that doesn't mean that I can't continue with this work mm. yeah and you love it yeah it's great yeah it's fantastic yeah and it's given it's ultimately it's given me um, a bit of a framework to like continue developing what I'm really interested in and what I find meaningful and what kind of satisfies the um, the spiritual aspect of of my being Mm. yeah and I think that's really great because that also speaks to the training that I do with people so everybody has their own way with this work everybody has their own map there's no right or wrong way to be spiritual I work with a shamanic map because that's what works for me but I will bring in other elements of other things if if we need to do that there's no um there's no, yeah, there's just no thing that I won't look at and think about and see if it resonates and, and work with it if, it, if it works for me and vice versa. I just won't, if I don't resonate with something, then I just don't work with it. Like, I don't particularly resonate with crystals. I don't particular, particularly resonate with um, Reiki, for example, but that's not to say that that's not really beautiful work and really highly resonant for some people who can absolutely build that into their shamanic or spiritual map so I think that's one of the things that our um, journey through this process has given me is a a really deep understanding of um, how different people's resonances are and how important it is to teach empowered spirituality empowered shamanism so what I teach is based on what I know for sure but at the end of the day the outcome of that is that people will be able to build their own map in their own way. Mm. Yeah, there's a flexibility in the process and in the in the language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Ah, thank you. What a great, um, great conversation, and I hope you you guys all find that useful. What I'd like to do as well right now is just invite Scott to speak briefly about where he sees his work going, because you will see Scott in the centre in the coming months which is very exciting Mm. for me (laughs) so do you want to fill us in on some of the um, aspects of shamanism or spiritual life that really resonates with you so what I'm really interested in is story ultimately Um, so we talked a little bit about mythology earlier on uh, and one of the things I think or one of the things that I find missing in, or have found f- missing in my experience is that tethering to the past through the stories of parents or grandparents or great-grandparents um, and, I, and from what I've observed in the people I know or in the media and with the the increased popularity of things like 23andMe and Ancestry and stuff, I think people are really looking for that 
story in our culture just now because potentially we've not been you know we've not been like I mean there's a bit of an elder deficit. crisis or deficit yeah, really I don't is. want to use too dramatic language but I would agree with that though Scott there yeah. really is that we discussed this the other day there we, we really don't have any elders in our life yeah. particularly and so if you're not yeah what a wonderful conversation thank you so what I'd like to do as well is give you the opportunity, Scott, to talk about what really resonates with you with shamanic work and where you see your work going in the future. Um, we will be seeing you in the centre, so it'd be nice for people to know what, what's coming from you. Yeah, so what I'm interested in is story, fundamentally, and what I've found to be lacking in my own experience and in my own life is the the transmission of like story and history through through family and elders and I think I've been kind of I've been I've been seeking that to make more sense of of who I am as a person I think that's the reason that myths and legends exist is because it's a way of kind of understanding ourselves and life uh, yeah on like a kind of deeper deeper level than you might be able to provide by your own thoughts and I think I can see through the conversations I've had with people and in the media that, that, that I think a lot of people are, are looking for that as well things like 23andMe and Ancestry.com and stuff are mm. super popular at the moment so mm. people are trying to find their place relative to the past and in our, in our society where we don't spend an awful lot of time with our elders mm. um, you don't, if you don't sit with your grandparents or if you're lucky enough to have them great grandparents and hear their stories and maybe your parents don't know and maybe your grandparents and your great grandparents maybe they don't even know maybe they've had, had their own kind of issues so we seem we're maybe a little in terms of like our relationship with the past where we can have a tendency to be quite untethered at the moment so I'm really interested in a focus on Scottish myths and legends because that's what's relevant to me um, and I'm also really interested in the ancient sites from however many thousand years ago Iron Age Bronze Age um, like carved stones, stone circles, souterrains. I feel like the, the story, the things that link us in to the past, they're all there, um, like tangible for us to touch and we might have to make our own sense of them if we don't have a, like a, a tradition bearer or a translator to tell us about them. But I think that's okay. That's, mm. that's better than not having them at all. Mm. So I can see my work focusing on that. I've um I've visited a lot of the, the ancient sites local to here and done some research on the stories associated with them and I've got some kinda ideas about what the kind of symbols and the stories are all about underneath. So I look forward to sharing that mm. in the future. Great. It's really exciting. We spend a lot of our days, don't we? Well we did with pre lockdown, tromping around the Angus countryside searching for ancient sites and yeah. We find some really stunning. I mean, it's not. We don't find them like without a map. We have a, an, we use what's called the ordnance 
survey maps. Survey maps, yeah. A lot of the ancient sites are marked on those, and very occasionally you'll find sites that aren't, yeah. which is quite exciting when that happens. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the stories are all there in the land, and I think that that's one of the things as well that we do at the Centre for Shamanism is that we're all about finding our own roots. We're not interested in lifting traditions from other lands, from other wonderf- wonderfully deep and rich indigenous cultures. That's not what we do here. What we what we are giving people the doorway or the opportunity to do is to, like I was saying before, it ties in really nicely with the whole map making. We're, we're, we don't have a map anymore. We don't have the tradition bearers. We don't have that knowledge passed down very clearly for sure it is there like you say it's there in the land it's there in folklore it's there in the stories if you care to look and I think one of the things about creating your own map with shamanism in this way is that we can also be working with the ancient sites of these lands and tapping back into that energy and tapping back into those stories so that we can reconnect with our own indigenous roots and indigenous ancestors that's the kind of way I like to think about it Mm. which is not not dissimilar and as our um, as one of your favorite authors says you know dig where you stand mm. Alistair McIntosh that's right yeah so thank you Scott really enjoyed our conversation today you're welcome and hope- thank you mm-hmm. you're welcome and hopefully everybody who listened enjoyed it as well so normally in Shaman Talk this would be the point that I would send you off to get a pen and paper for our activity section but guess what this week you're getting a week off I've decided to not do that this week simply to remind everybody that we don't need to be in deep process. We don't need to be um, in the the earth doing the work. So it is my invitation to you this week to have a a week off. Maybe go for a walk and enjoy yourself and do something fun and maybe laugh with friends and not worry too much about doing deep spiritual work. So if that resonates with you, then go ahead and have a fun week. So thanks again to Scott and we'll be hearing from him again in in the future at some point, hopefully in the not too distant future. Thank you for listening. As always, if you have anything that you'd like to ask, go ahead and do that in the Facebook community. The link will be in the show notes and the show notes this week will be centreforshamanism.com forward slash 48 as usual. So yeah, have a great week. Hopefully you find this podcast useful. And I'll see you all same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're loving the messages and loving listening to this podcast, then pop over to centreforshamanism.com forward slash subscribe and sign up to our mailing list.